Hello and welcome to another episode of the 1020 Podcast. Today I'll be talking to Daniel Fresne, a young contributor to the New York Post, pardon me, Fox News, he published at Barry Weiss's Substack and in Newsweek. He's one of the youngest contributors and commentators on American politics, but I'm certain that you will hear a lot of him in the years to come. So then you can say you heard of him here first. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm very excited about this, and I'm particularly excited. Um, one of the first topics of the many I would like to pick your brain on is the current state of the educational system in the United States, because I think this is something that you are particularly qualified to speak about. And just today I came across an article by Graham Ellison, right, uh, one of the major thinkers in international relations, and he wrote in Foreign Policy that the, the only way for the United States to remain uh, its or to keep its advantage over other nations is if they kind of get at least one million talented uh, minds and talented people from the rest of the world. Kind of that the, the United States have to import their brains, which to some extent, as a, you know, I can understand the idea. Right, as a country, want to be attractive for the smartest people out there, but I'm also wondering. Isn't it also a form of weakness? I mean, isn't it almost kind of an admission to say, apparently, the United States themselves may no longer be capable of producing these minds on their own, right? That maybe something is going wrong, you know, in, in public schools and universities. And that's one of the reasons that the argument is increasingly becoming, okay, fine, if we can't motivate our young people to be the, the entrepreneurs, the innovators of tomorrow, we just have to get them from somewhere else. So I was curious, kind of from your experience so far, kind of being in this very part of your life, and, uh, you know, uh, what, what's your take on the education system? What do you see, you know, strength, weaknesses, and, and what would be some of your main criticisms in this area? Yeah, so um, that, that's a pretty interesting um, argument. And, uh, you know, to some extent, you could say it is a weakness. But on, on the other hand, we do live in a, a global world now. And it's not only the United States that's importing mines in order to uh, enhance the, their uh, economic abilities. You know, uh, there are people from different cultures who are naturally inclined to be better at different uh, subjects. And uh, that's the reality of it. And just how, uh, just how our eco uh, economic situation has become better over time by trading with other countries and uh, being able to be connected to the different cultures and the different products that different countries create. The same is uh, true for intelligence. Uh, but it is, uh, but the other side of the coin is that there is a problem in the United States uh, even though you know we have globalization and you know people happen to be really good at different uh, areas, whether it be like science, math, et cetera, et cetera, and we might want to import those people, uh, the reality is the United States is also falling behind on its educational prowess here back at home, right? And so um, I think I think uh, those two, uh, the failure of the American education system, and just to, the fact that we live in a globalized a marketplace now where we need uh, people who are uh, intelligent in different facets of life. I think both of those uh, stand true, uh, especially the, the failure of the American education system. We know that in inner cities, um, especially when it comes to uh, particularly um, minorities and, and people of, of color, as a progressive would say, you know, they talk a lot about how, they talk a lot about uh, inequalities and, and whatnot, but uh, education is a huge, uh, force that evens out the playing field. It just happened to be that in these inner cities where uh, Democrats uh, happen to control, we have uh, uh, people in schools who graduate from high schools 
who could barely read, who could barely do uh, simple mathematics and whatnot, you know? And so that's a huge problem. I would say another problem is it's sort of the culture that we've uh, created in the United States, a culture that used to be only relegated, I would only, I would say only relegated to, uh, to more pro- uh, poverty-written uh, communities in America. That's not only uh, in the inner city, we're, we're talking about um, uh, people who live in towns who used to uh, have like maybe like a factory or, or like some sort of uh, uh, economic anchor that was keeping people with jobs or whatnot. And, you know, during uh, certain times in American history, uh, we sort of left that, um, the fact, the more factory like industry, like, you know, people go into factories and work and they get a good salary and they like uh, work there for 40 years and retire. We sort of left that type of economy. Now we're more of a, of a service economy, if anything. And, and so, you know, people in those areas of the country also uh, have those, have certain pathological ideas of how to live life. And, 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 and one of them is not prioritizing education, thinking that education is for people who are not as cool or, and whatnot. And that sort of um, uh, idea, uh, a wrong idea, uh, that sort of idea is sort of permeating into greater American culture where, you know, people are no longer, they no, they no, they no longer want to um, pursue, they no longer want to pursue uh, careers that require a lot of like intellectual like you, you just need to like brute force just intellectualism. You need to be able to be smart. You need to be able to 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 do the science or do the math or uh, remember the bio- biological facts about uh, people and stuff like that, right? Doctors. I, I know we have a shortage of doctors, and I don't think the pandemic really helped that. We had a shortage of doctors even before the pandemic, but with the pandemic, uh, I don't really think people are going to be too fond of becoming like a doctor or a nurse and and whatnot. Um, surprisingly enough. Um, like we we have way too many lawyers in America to the fact that uh, to the point where like people are going into a lot of debt, but they're just ending up going into like uh, law firms that barely pay anything. Um, but you know, in terms of just, like being a doctor, being an engineer, like all these like um, these these are I so this is sort of anecdotal, but like I just I recently graduated from Brooklyn Tech, right? And uh, you know, Brooklyn Tech has a major system in which junior and senior year, you choose AP classes, AP classes are sort of cl- college classes for high school students. Um, uh, college, yeah, uh, we, we have AP classes for junior and senior year. And the biggest, um, the, one of the two of the biggest majors at Brooklyn Tech, which is a STEM school, is law and society, which is my major, and social science research, right? Uh, and then when you, you would look at like the math major or the electrical engineering major or um, you know, like majors that are way more just like STEM, like the physics majors, there are way less people in those majors. But I mean, Brooklyn Tech was made to be a STEM school. And that's, that was an interesting observation that I've made. You know, people, uh, my, my fellow classmates would say, oh, like, look how long um, law society is, or look how long social science research is. And that's a reflection of like the, of, uh, of greater American society, I think, to some extent, you know, where uh, people are, they're, they're more likely to do things like law, things like liberal arts, things like um, just like art, art, artsy things in general, where it'd be like content creation, uh, music, uh, you know, all these, all these different things that do not sort of, they're not STEM, they're not hard, sort of just like, hey, you need to be able to do the math for this, you need to be able to do the science for this. And I mean, that's, that's sort of a problem, you know, uh, 
that's that, that's definitely a problem. You know, if our generation want to become YouTubers and influencers instead of, um, you know, people who are capable of uh, thinking great ideas, capable of building great things. Um, and, and, you know, this, this is no um, smack against content creation or anything like that. You know, I happen to be a person who d- does politics and like I, I'm interested in philosophy and different things like that. That's not in any way. This is not to uh, say that those things are not important. But there needs to be a healthy balance in society, in American society, where a good amount of people do, does STEM, a good amount of people does liberal arts, et cetera, et cetera. I think part of the reason why, and I'm sort of going on a rant at this point, but I think part of the reason why uh, uh, liberal arts has sort of taken more of a, uh, has taken sort of more of a stand uh, in recent years is because, um, you know, colleges are now dominated by women and, and women are less likely to, they're less interested in, I know Jordan Peterson has said this, they're less interested in things, more interested in people, right? And so they're more likely to go into fields where it's like politics, where you're tending to people or, you know, you're going, they're going into fields that are more like liberal arts focus or, you know, something that has to do with people instead of things where guys would, they're more likely to go into um, jobs that are, are more hands-on and more STEM uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, all of those are, are reasons why, you know, I, I would say America's education system is sort of failing. So I, just to recap really quickly, again, the mismanagement, I, I barely touched on it, but the mismanagement of, of public schools and um, in, in the inner city, uh, the, and the overall educational, um, but, uh, the overall attitudes towards education that the American people hold, you know, first off that pathological idea that like education, STEM, uh, these hard sciences are not for, um, are not for uh, cool people, quote unquote cool people. Um, And then just like this overall focus shift from welding, uh, being a mechanic, STEM jobs in general, engineering to content creation, art, uh, entrepreneur stuff, which being an entrepreneur is not a bad thing, but you know, people really do underestimate how much work you need to be doing in order to create your own business and whatnot. And you know, a lot of people who say, I'm an entrepreneur, they're not working at 70 hours, they're not working at 80 hours, they're not getting the work done to actually create something that's really beneficial to society. At most, they're probably like opening a clothing line, which is a closed market at this point because everybody sells merch. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much uh, part uh, I, I what I see to be uh, the reason why the American education system is failing. Mismanagement and uh, shifting cultural attitudes. I mean, let me, this is, a, this is a fantastic segue kind of to another question I wanted to ask you, right? When we, when you were 17 years old, kind of you wrote your first kind of major piece for Barry Weiss Substack. And uh, could you maybe just walk us a little bit through kind of what you wrote particularly about, but what I also find interesting, what motivated you to write it? Kind of what, what was the point where you said, okay, this is, you know, this is it. Uh, th- there, are, there are things that bother me. I need to sit down. I need to write about it. And kind of I need to share my, my view, my input with, a, with a, you know, a growing audience of, of readers. Kind of maybe if you can walk us through this a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of... Um... I would say that one of the biggest questions that I've received uh, from parents and um, from students is really how, how well, for parents, how do I stop my child from becoming woke or like stop my child from, uh, or uh, remove the, or sort of lessen the effects of uh, woke teachers, woke curriculums or curricula uh, in my child's life. And then on the student side, it's just 
uh, how do I sort of just get through school and not have to deal with um, all the woke things? I just want to be able to get my work done and be able to graduate and to be able to move on. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I'm 17 and I'm immune from woke politics. It's, it's pretty much a, a step-by-step guide uh, for students, but also for parents on uh, how uh, I was able to, to be in that classroom and say, well, this is not right, you know? Um, this is this is uh, something that's a complete 180 from what my parents have taught me, from what I've been uh, raised to believe and whatnot. And so I'm going to speak out against this. Uh, and so, you know, I talk about how my parents raised me, how they raised me. Um, and then, you know, how my work to get into Brooklyn Tech and whatnot and how at Brooklyn Tech, I was able to uh, have teachers and, and classmates who didn't really who inspired me to think, you know, or I didn't necessarily say that, oh, like, uh, woke politics is bad and you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't uh, be subscribed to that. You know, I, I wasn't really taught that. That was something I, I, I came to that uh, on my, I came to that conclusion on my own, right? And so, uh, and we know that every, anybody, not just kids are more likely to appreciate something if they come up, if they come to a conclusion on their own, right? And so instead of parents telling, their children, hey, this is bad, you know, this is like 180 from Western values, and this is something you probably shouldn't adopt. Uh, how about you teach them how to be responsible, productive American citizens, right? And uh, with that, you know, because becoming a productive, responsible American citizen, you know, you're most likely disciplined, waking up uh, uh, really early, doing the things that need to be done. Uh, you have family values, right? You really respect your mother and your father. Um, you you really believe in hard work. You believe that America, for all its faults, is a great country, um, and it provides opportunities unbeknownst to many other people uh, across the world, right? I mean, just the fact that my article was able to be published uh, is a testament to how uh, great America is. You know, there's, there's probably many hundreds, thousands of other uh, kids who are my age who are... Um, really talented at writing or really talented at uh, sharing ideas and whatnot. But just by the fact of me living in America, me living in New York City, uh, I was able to uh, get in contact with the people who wanted my message to be out there, you know? And so, you know, when, if you as a parent teach your child these, these things, as my parents have taught me, you know, they taught me tenacity, working hard, responsibility, uh, you know, all, all meritocracy, all these different things and to respect family. Um, when I come across ideas that say the complete opposite, you know, uh, there was actually a poster that came from, I forgot the museum's name, but it said that waking up on time is uh, whiteness and upholding you know, whiteness. I think, it's Smithsonian. Like that. I think that was the Smithsonian. They had this whole, this whole uh, uh, little flyer exactly that said, being yeah, exactly. on time at the scientific method apparently was all supposed the to be. The scientific method, respect family values, religion. All these different things, they're not white values, they're human values. And uh, any uh, successful civilization share those values. They, they, they're punctual. You know, people, they don't say I'm going to come at 3 p.m. and then not show up, you know, they, because people have time and time creates money and whatnot. And so, you know, uh, from an efficiency aspect, you know, civiliza civilization is successful. They keep up with their word, you know. They respect your mother and your father because your mother and your father are the people who respect you, uh, or uh, the people who teach you how to um, how to become a 
again, a productive citizen. You know, they uh, successful civilization, at least the ones that are free, um, they have religion because uh, when everybody's God-fearing or they have a higher power that they fear more than a government um, and, and that they fear more than a government, then they they're less likely to take BS from the government, but also they have a moral structure in which they can act in the world, you know? I mean, even, even atheists and whatnot uh, who live in America, they have the benefit of having a legal system, having a cultural a system, although the, the cultural uh, aspect of religion is dying out pretty quickly. You know, um, they, they, they have the benefit of having an already instituted moral structure in which you know, they don't have to go around and convince people that, uh, oh, like, killing is wrong. I mean, people already know that killing is wrong just because we have Judeo-Christian values. Uh, and then you're just really fortunate enough to say, well, I think killing is wrong, not because there's a God. You just happen to live in a place where people think that killing is wrong. And so you're able to act out your beliefs and say that it's your own. When really the way that you've grown up and like the subliminal messaging that you get from books and from teachers and from whatnot reflect that Judeo-Christian value of like, hey, murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, so, well, I mean, getting back to what I was saying, when you face a curriculum or when you face lessons or uh, lessons from a teacher that is 180 from all of that, um, all of what you've learned from your parents and from um, America. And I would say this, I mean, you know, the woke thing is really, it's a pretty recent phenomenon. Even like people, uh, kids my age uh, understand so, kids my age grew up in a world where in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, I mean, I remember this vividly, you know, it was just respect other people despite their skin color, uh, become really productive. You know, you can do it as long as you work hard, et cetera, et cetera. When we talked about, um, you know, things about race and like slavery and stuff like that, it was from a factual, primarily factual perspective. Um, and I remember this through like middle school and even the beginning of high school, like ninth grade, maybe. So, you know, the speed in, in which high schools in particular, because we already knew college were, were bad, even while I was in, even around the time when I was in middle school and whatnot, colleges were already far off, right? They're, they're already doomed. But at least high schools and middle schools and elementary schools, they're for the most part fine. They're for the most part untouched until pretty much like two years ago, two, three years ago. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, again, going back to my main point, yeah, I, like when you see like values that are given to you or from a teacher and they're like completely 180 from not only your parents, from the teachers who taught you it from kindergarten, the uh, peers that lived it out, you know, the, your peers who also got taught that and they live it out in their daily lives. And now you see a teacher saying, well, um, you know, spewing hate against white people or, you know, um, saying that certain things are just whiteness and not just like things that people need to uh, embody to become really great people, to, to become morally, uh, morally grounded people, to become productive citizens, et cetera, et cetera. You think, wait, hater, wait, hey, wait a minute. What you're saying completely overthrows everything I've been taught. I'm not just going to accept the face value just because you want me to accept a face value, just because you're going to call me a bigot or a racist or et cetera, because I don't accept it, something is going on here. And so, um, yeah, for, uh, I'm 17 and I'm united for more policies to bring it all together, you know, is, if anything, is really a God for, for parents, you know, 
it's really good for parents. You got to really teach your children the values because if if your child knows the values and what you're raising, they can automatically discern what you taught them and what uh, people who are resentful of our society are teaching them at this moment. So based on your experience, I mean, particularly, it was very interesting what you just said kind of about the colleges and, and how your experience in school was. Would you say that the for lack of a better expression, do you think that the woke wave is receding or do you think that it's, it's or that we are at, at peak woke, so to speak, or do you think it's, it's, we are not there yet. What's kind of from, from your current experience and what you read and, you know, when you talk to people, uh, what do you think this is, do, do you feel there is, you know, some people talk already about that backlash against wokeness. Others say, no, no, this is just about to start. So based on your observations and your thinking, what do you think we are currently standing in this? You know, it's very interesting. That's, that's probably the hardest question that I've never been able to like put my hands on because, you know, um, for me at least, being super young, you never really understand like how social movements really change a country and how long it takes for a social movement to subside. You know, um, yeah, again, because I'm very young and I, I don't really have a, a perception of that. Uh, but also, you know, people who are who are walker are taken or in the driver's seat of our, of our country pretty much. And by the time it would take for us to remove them out of those positions, not only just in government, but like in our institutions, banks, um, tech sector, et cetera, et cetera. Um, by the time we, we, we remove them from those positions, um, you know, they've already instituted a policy that would then take, you know, a few years to implement, and then we have to fill their effects. And then, you know, during that time, we would need to be able to remove them from power, be able to reverse those policies and then wait for those policies to uh, to reverse themselves. And so I think that uh, I, I, I think that we are. We're definitely we're definitely there's there is the backlash. I'm not going to say that there isn't a backlash because the backlash is really apparent. I mean, we can see from um, Joe Biden's uh, poll numbers right now, you know. And that could be an indication of how of how much um, the wokeness is backfiring. You know, some people might say, you know, it's the inflation. Uh, but part of the reason why inflation is so strong today is because of the utopian vision that a lot of people in government are holding right now uh, that stop that, like, would not allow them to really see reality for what it is and uh, be able to implement policy quickly to try to uh, to try to stop the effects of inflation as soon as possible, right? Um, and so, like for example, you know, even though we've been having high gas prices, the Biden administration have still been rejecting, you know, have still been rejecting projects that would alleviate the uh, supply bottleneck that uh, Americans have for that Americans have that like that stops them from getting gas at uh, prices that are more uh, tenable for them. And the only reason why uh, Biden officials would do that is just because they're subservient to like a utopian vision and a utopian vision is woke in nature. Right. And so, yeah. you know, when people say, um, hey, you know, like Joe Biden's phone numbers are are down because of of inflation. Well, part of the reason, again, part of the reason why inflation is here is because instead of uh, making policies that would help the wealth, uh, the help that would uh, that would uh, solidify the well-being of of Americans, they have decided to go rogue and just to implement their utopian vision upon everybody else. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, we 
the woke, I would say that um, the policies that are that has arisen from um, the the policies that have arisen from woke politics are definitely gonna be here for the next few years. You're definitely gonna suffer the consequences economically, and we're gonna suffer the consequences. I mean, from a cultural standpoint as well. You know, um, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna suffer economically. We're gonna suffer in terms of crime. Um, in terms of uh, crime, uh, especially like in inner city, uh, in inner city, um, housing is part of economics. In terms of cultural, in terms of culture, we're definitely going to be uh, the people who are suffering the most, at least from the woke stuff, is definitely yeah, uh, younger generations. Um, so, if you want to talk about gender ideology, for example, you know, um, we're we're going to be feeling the effects of that for a very long time. Uh, you know, telling uh, children to pretty much castrate themselves uh, at the first drop of, uh, at the first hand of, oh, like I'm, I'm the opposite gender, you know. Um, and so some of these, some of these things are going to be, uh, we're going to feel them their effects for a long time. But by the time we feel the full effects, we should have people, or hopefully we should have people in place that are trying to reverse those policies as soon as possible. And so the the backlash is definitely here. Um, um, and we're, we're definitely going to, we're definitely going to reverse a lot of things in the next few sort of years. Um, I would say in terms of like politics easily, um, we're, we're probably going to see Republican leadership, uh, definitely in the house for, uh, the house during these midterms, the Senate is more iffy just because in the places where, uh, where Senate seats are being contested. Uh, Republicans really haven't had their ish together in terms of like uh, candidates, like for example, in Georgia, we know that regular Americans do not care about, um, or they, I wouldn't say they don't care, but they want to move on from this whole like election thing, 2020 election thing, right? Democrats are doing a disservice to themselves by so talking about it. So why the, like, why on earth would you uh, run your Senate campaign on election integrity? Talk about inflation. Right. That's what other Republicans are talking about. Talk about inflation instead of talking about, um, oh, like we're going to take out the people, the leadership in Georgia who didn't want to uh, fix up the ballots and do fix up the, the 2020 election in a way we wanted to. Americans don't care about that. Right. And, you know, and they a, say that. Uh, so just, just to add on to it, right? I mean, basically yeah. every poll they take with uh, with the American people, what's what the most pressing issues are for them, right? As you as you just mentioned, it's it's inflation, it's the economy. It's only when they ask, I don't know, you know, journalists and politicians, I mean, they tend to say, you know, it's January sixth, January sixth, twenty twenty election. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, right. And so you know, you know, we talk about like the liberal bubble and how like progressive have their own world and stuff like that. I'm not going to hesitate and say that conservative have it too. You know. And that's the 2020 election, election integrity, all these different things that honestly, no ordinary people do not care enough about. Uh, if you come up with this brown, great, uh, uh, groundbreaking news where like something that really shakes up, like sort of like what happened in the 2020 election and election integrity and whatnot. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that, you know, like people like the American people want to hear it, you know, like, hey, like, you know, that's our election. Like, you know, if something really crazy happened, like, let us know, but stop pestering us about it. We're moving on. Like I need to feed my children, right? And so that's if there's a, if there's a conservative bubble, which it definitely is, the the 2020 election election integrity is definitely on top of that list. Um, and so 
just because of that. And then in Arizona, we have like this like situation with Oz and now like conservatives don't like Oz because of certain things and, and whatnot. So like the, 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 uh, the Senate might be a bit of a question mark for uh, the midterms this year, but the House is definitely going to Republicans. We've already seen in 2020 uh, the shift. The shift has already started. It started since 2020. You know, people say, well, Joe Biden won, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of um, state legislatures, they like shift Republican heavy. Uh, you know, um, a lot of like a lot of House seats went to Republicans, even though Democrats have the majority. Technically, if you looked at 2020, um, if you if you looked at 2020, um, you would see that more Republicans won seats. Democrats lost more seats during that time frame. And so, um, yeah, so the, the shift has already begun. Uh, we saw like uh, Republican governors win in uh, battleground states like Virginia uh, with Glenn Youngkin and whatnot. And uh, what did he campaign on? He campaigned on parents and, uh, you know, education and whatnot, you know. And so the backlash has already begun. We're starting to see a shift. Uh, but, um, you know, even though even though there's a, a backlash in terms of politics, we have a whole generation that's being raised on woke politics. We have to stop that. It was it would be too late, right? Because even though you can have backlash, the parents will have backlash now and change the leadership right now. The kids that they're raising, if we don't stop woke uh, politics and education, the kids are going to just revert. Uh, they're just going to bring things back to progressive land, utopian land, and do. What we consider now is a backlash would just be like a roadblock uh, to uh, in, uh, a destination that seems in inevitable if we let the kids, uh, if we let people my age sort of fall for uh, the woke trap. I mean, let me ask you this, because I, I, I was thinking about a couple of the things that you just said, and, and I'm sometimes wondering, um, do you think that maybe one of the reasons why also for the rise of wokeness, but also kind of for many of these new ideologies. I mean, also what you described before, if you imagine, right, you know, you 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 grow up in a in a you know in an upper middle class household and you go to a good high school, then you go to a good college or a good university, you get, I don't know, your Harvard law degree and all these kind of things, right? So so very very I mean excellent educations, at least on paper, right? That maybe then you say you maybe venture into law a little bit and then you venture into politics and then the kind of question is, and I think this also pertains a little bit to what you said, is the optimist, and, and I always try to be a happy warrior, right? But the optimist would say, in many ways, that the great battles in America have been won. In a sense, right, there, there, there are still areas to address, right? We talked, we touched upon these a little bit before, right? Kind of there are things that need to change, but but America is not, you know, it's it's not a fundamentally, it's a, uh, you know, um, if you lived in the Soviet Union, right, if you lived in Nazi Germany, right, that, that was clear, something needs to change, right? There were many large questions that, that really need addressing. But America is, despite what some commentators try to say, right, America is not on the brink to become Nazi Germany, right? America is not kind of to take a little bit of fear on the right, right? It's not going to become the Soviet Union. But I'm wondering, is it possible that sometimes when you have this, this elite education, then you go into politics and then kind of what we just talked about, right? And then you're kind of told, so the main problem we have to solve, which I also shared this sentiment with you, which I think is important, right? That you have to address gas prices. You have to address, you know, the price of a gallon of milk in the supermarket. That some of these people then just say, I kind of want to change the world, but it almost looks like as if there is no longer any need to do so. So that then then it's that 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 wokeness is almost an outgrowth of of a dissatisfaction with a a, a pretty 
good world, but it doesn't really leave much to do on the ideological sector, right? So, so then you find and say, okay, so which which new fronts could we create? And then I think you mentioned a little bit, right? The gender issue might be one, right? So if if, if we can no longer really find uh, a major group that that's officially, you know, by the state discriminated, you kind of have to create a completely new group where it's then much easier to make this claim. I know this is, this is very dicey territory, but I was wondering, you know, just to, to get input on this, that, that maybe it's it's not a, a reaction to 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 fundamental problems that, that that might be there as well, but that it's primarily a reaction to a, a, a pretty good society that offers you lots of opportunities, but the the you know the kind of Nietzschean struggle between between two things, right? That 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 seems to have disappeared. So people maybe wanna wanna look for this. And just to add on to this, I'm sorry now for my for my short rant, but you said this before. If at the same mm -hmm. time you say, you know, kind of family, mm, religion is not really kind of you know accepted if you want it in certain polite areas of societies, we would say. So if you take away these elements of community, people are, are then super individualistic, right? And the only fulfillment they can find in political struggle but there isn't really any essential thing left in the political struggle. They probably then have to create their own things that are essential. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. Um, in terms of, um, yeah, first, uh, let's let's take this line by line. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think America is going to end up becoming like the Soviet, like, you know, the right will say like America will become like the Soviet Union, it will become communist, et cetera, et cetera. And then the left will say that, well, you know, the fascists are going to come and, you know, this is going to become Nazi Germany. You know, when these people forget that there's a huge portion of America who simply do not care. And the people who do not care actually have the best view of what is going on, right? Because they're just like people who are disinterested in politics are just seeing what they're saying for what it is and then just making decisions based on like how it's affecting their daily lives, right? And so, you know, when you have a whole uh, subset of America, we call them the independents, right? Who are sort of seeing the two parties engaging whether they're going off the rails or not. Uh, and then you have the two-party system. You know, a lot of people take uh, craps on a two-party system, but part of the reason why the two-party system is pretty uh, important is because, is because, you know, both parties now have to, uh, they they need to appeal to the to the mainstream. They need to appeal to, to the independent crowd, right? Because, you know, you have your, your hard MAGA base or your hard Republican base, and then you have your hard, um, progressive base. And even though the conservative base, uh, hardcore conservative base is actually bigger in number than like the hardcore progressive kids, right? The progressive kids, uh, the progressives are a very small portion um, of the American population. You know, you know, they, they live in the coastal areas, but even a lot of people in New York City and in, uh, I'd bet like um, San Francisco and these other like places in, uh, in coastal areas, you know, a lot of people are immigrants. A lot of people just want to like make money. Uh, they, they're business people. They just, want to be able to do something great for their family. And so, you know, yeah. So even, even though both of these uh, populations who are very interested in po uh, politics, they're there. They're so like, there's, there's such a small portion of the population that no Republican, uh, no, no Republican party or no Democrat party can win just by appealing to that base. And that's what we're seeing with the Democrat party. I mean, uh, it was very recent. I forgot where it came from, but you know, it, in um, I forgot where it came from. But it was demonstrating that um, Democrats—they've lost their support among minorities, and now they're appealing to college-educated female professionals. I mean, uh, female coastal elites, right? So, like that. Um, like I 
said, right? You know, um, most of colleges are now dominated by females, right? So I guess college educated and female sort of like not synonymous with each other, right? But like, it used to be the fact that um, college educated, like uh, the political leanings of the college educated was evenly split 50-50 between Republican and Democrat. Now the Democrat party is pretty much coastal elite, female, and um, uh, college educated, uh, college educated female coastal elite, right? And then now you see like the Republican demographic sort of changing and, you know, they're now a bit more multiracial, right? Especially with like Hispanics, um, they're more working class um, and uh, they're more working class. They're, they, they sort of, even though, yes, you have that like hardcore base of Republicans who are just like, uh, you know, MAGA forever, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the Republicans have done a great job in including just like people of different races, working class people, people who just want to create a living for them and their family. They want to be able to live, leave me alone, do what they need to be able to do. Um, and that's that's fatal for Democrats. But that wouldn't but you would like Republicans wouldn't be able to do that if there was multiple parties, if there was a working class party and then there was a uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, America First Party, and then there's a, um, I don't know, like Free Business Party. Like, if there was like all these different parties and they were all split and uh, split in different ways, then, and then we can also like include split party, like a Democrat Socialist Party, and then a Progressive Party, and then a Green Party on the left. And so, if there was all these different parties, there wouldn't be a need for these parties to, to become more, um, become more centrist, right? Because most of the country is centrist. Most of the country do not care. They can um, they can um, want a few welfare policies and think, hey, like that's a good thing, and then think, hey, leave me alone. Hey, I want my gun. Hey, like I want lower taxes, et cetera, et cetera. You know. Um, and so, you know, I, I read in a textbook somewhere where like America is like liberal and sort of like policy, and then really conservative in, tor- in terms of like um philosophy right so they're like hey like yeah we should have welfare we should have we should help people out et cetera, et cetera. but then america's on the other foot is like hey like i don't want to pay that much taxes uh you know it, like it's so interesting it's the american mind is so interesting in terms of politics at least the independent american mind right um and so you know part of the reason why there's a backlash against wokeness is because of the two-party system right People will, they will, they will take crafts on the two-party system as much as they want. I get it. I get the corruption. I get that there's like a, like a revolving door in establishment uh, that was created by the two-party system and the two-party system enforces. But if there's a multi-party system, then there will be no need for, uh, there will be no need for the Republican party to say, Hey, like we're for working class people. We want to include Hispanics. We want to include, they'll just create the America first party. Hey, like we're over here. We like, believe what we want to believe and we're not going to apologize to anybody which already do to some extent uh i just i guess it just happened to be that populism the american right when populism is just popular with so many people um but yeah i mean the democrats they're they're sort of operating as if they're like a multi-party like they're in a multi-party system and they're getting their behinds whooped for that right all right because Again, I mean, I've said it again and again and again, and I can't reiterate this enough. The reason why America is not going to become Nazi Germany or they're not going to become socialist is because the parties need to be able to appeal to most people. They need to be able to say the independent, the the American who registered as independent need to be able to say, okay, both of these are sort of in the center. I can make a a nice decision. But today they're looking at the Republican Party where they're saying, 
uh, oh, inflation, this is happening, blah, blah, and they're really appealing to what independents want. And then they turn around to the Democratic Party, who used to be about that, but now about uh, Latinx, uh, they, them, um, all these different things. They're just like, what is that? Like, like it's not even that independents like think that's stupid. They're just like, what is that? Like, I don't like, can we like lower gas prices? Does it get into expensive, right? And so like, I agree with, with you on that point. I sort of went on a rant there, uh, but uh, there's was, there was a few other things you talked about. Um, you you also mentioned, um, what else did you mention? You, you also meant, so you, you mentioned that um, uh, America won't become too far left or too far right. Uh, you also mentioned that, um, I forgot the other things you mentioned. Then what one of the things I meant was that one of the one of the things I meant that, that maybe the the whole ideology of wokeness kind of is not is not I you know to, to put it in 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 you know kind of shorter a shorter question that the the ideology emerged not as a reaction to to essential problems right you know kind of oh, no, okay. but but more as a as a as a for lack of a better term or maybe I try to be a little bit provocative but also a, a reaction. To a system that gives a lot of opportunities, right? That allows a lot of freedom, a lot of social mobility. But of course, for those who want to change the world, it, it might be a little bit boring. And, and that this kind yeah, of yeah, that's true. Things. It's very true. I mean, you know, and here's another observation I have of like more of my elite friends, my my wealthy friends. Um, you know, when they talk about policy or when they talk about just like life in general, they they talk as if they're standing outside the world and they're saying, we could change this, we could change that, we could do this, we can do that. And, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting observation to make, you know? Um, yeah, you're right. You know, everybody needs struggle, you know? Everybody needs to be able to be that hero and whatnot. You know, there's, in a, in a human collective experience, we have myth, like um, myths, you know, we have like legends and we, and today we have movies and whatnot that, you know, where they have like the hero and the hero goes through some struggle and whatnot. And without that, without that um, struggle, how can you really like there, you're, you're missing a, a very valuable part of the, the human experience, you know? And that's sort of where, you know, America's great success has become sort of his own enemy in a sense where, you know, these, these um, people who live in New York city, who live in New York city, who live in uh, other coastal areas, they don't really have struggle. I mean, you already live in one of the best cities in the world, at least for me in some sort of respect and sort of aspect, you know, um, my family and I are not necessarily extraordinarily wealthy, even though we live in New York city. Right. And so we, we still have some things to fight for where there's still some struggle there. You know, uh, there's still a need for me to become something so I can help my family and, and for my dad to work it for my mom to work it for, you know, everybody to contribute so we can uh, be able to, to uh, be able to live nicely and to live with a, a little cushion and be able to, to do the things that we would like to do, you know? You know? Um, and so for me, um, for me, even though I live in New York City, just from the sole fact that I don't live in like Manhattan, for example, where everything around you is skyscrapers and the best that America can offer in terms of metropolitan areas, the best the world can offer, you know, one of the best the world can offer, you know? Uh, New York City, Tokyo, Singapore, like all these different like places that are absolutely fantastic. Um, and you, there's no real struggle. I mean, you've, it's, it's as if you unlock the greatest, like, you know, you've already unlocked the final boss, like your parents already unlocked it for you. Um, you already uh, unlocked the greatest map in, uh, in America, right? Where like for like somebody else who probably live like 
in the Midwest or somewhere where like, or just like in a suburb or like a, a farm, like a rural area, you know, they think, you know, I want to go to, I want to travel to New York City when I'm older because I want to start a business or I want to do something. So they haven't unlocked that like map and they haven't like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like talk about this in like game terms because that's what it is, you know? That the hero story is like really synonymous with like video games where you start with nothing and you become something, right? You know, and the like, you know, the people like, uh, like they're like people who are wealthy, like my fellow like Gen Zers who are wealthy now, their parents sort of went through that fight where they uh, came to America and they had to unlock the map. They had to meet the people. They had to make the connection. They had to uh, work that terrible job. And now they're working great jobs and uh, their, their kids who are my friends are now like they're at the finish line already and they don't really have anything to grasp onto to really become something great. So when somebody tells you, Hey, you know, America's racist, Hey, you know, America's um, uh, bigoted, Hey, and you have the power to change it. Right. That's a huge part of the equation. Right. Because, you know, uh, this idea that it's the young people who have the answers to the world's problems, you know, um, instead of wisdom and old people being, you know, instead of teaching kids, hey, you know, you have to take a second, you got to learn, you got to get experience, you got to uh, understand what field you're working in. And then once you really spend time doing that, doing those things, you can finally not, you can't even save the world once you have all, all these experiences. You can just make your world a bit better, right? And so... Um, isn't that the key? Sorry to interrupt you, but I think this was such an important point. Isn't that also part of what you just kind of, well, also of the things that you said, right? That that while everybody wants to be, you know, the hero in, in one's own life story, that that things that were accessible back in the day, right? Being, you know, being a good, being a, for a man at least, right? Being a good father, being a, uh, being a responsible uh, uh, employer, being, you know, a productive member in your church community, kind of all these things, um, they, they, they have been pushed to the wayside, right? It, it's these days I sometimes feel it's uh, either you change the world or, you know, it's without value, right? It's, so it's, it's, you don't, you don't do something you know, on the local level, you change, you know, the global climate, right? You don't do something in your local community. Uh, you exactly. need to address structural racism. Like it's, it's never, what can I do in my neighborhood? Just as you mentioned, right? What, what can I do? You know, what can I do in my family? How can I make my immediate community of vicinity better. No, no, it's it's it almost seems very often it's immediately jumping to the world is what I have to change. In, instead of, of what you just mentioned, kind of saying, you know, life is worthwhile and is of value if you have a good impact, you know, maybe not on a billion people. It might be enough if you have on three people a, a positive impact, because if everybody does that, you kind of reach that billion. It's just more people and not just you, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, there's this idea that, oh, okay, we have this huge problem, these huge problems, structural racism, global uh, climate change, you know, all these bosses, you're, you're telling, all right, so essentially you're telling young people who don't have experience, who barely know themselves, et cetera, et cetera, that you have the, you have the, um, you have the keys in order to be these huge problems. It's, it's, it's insane, you know, and it, it, like when people become depressed, when people become discouraged, when people think no matter what I can do, I, I can't change. I can't uh, be successful in America because you're sick because you've essentially told them that their success 
is something that's way beyond them. That something that they can't even like dream to control. You, you're, you're telling them that's what success looks like. And then you're telling them that you can do it without leveling up. You can do it without getting money, without uh, getting experience, without getting the connections and whatnot. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty much setting up a whole di- uh, generation for disappointment. And, you know, sometimes I need to be reminded of that as well, you know, uh, being uh, being in a position that I am today, where it's like I'm able to write pieces uh, on newspapers. I'm able to uh, talk about uh, my ideas on TV, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I have a few mentors um, who are in the space who are, are doing great things who are columnists who are um, who are um, uh they're not necessarily um, TV anchors because they don't like report the news, but they give their opinion like on during prime time and stuff like that. I have, I have mentors like that uh, in the political space. And you know, you know what they tell me, they tell me, Hey, like you're going to college, learn, like learn for four years. Like, you know, I would ask them, Hey, like, what can I do to like get a bigger following or to be able to reach more people or to be able to write people and to be able to, et cetera, et cetera. And they're just like, Hey, read books learn, study, uh, enjoy your college experience and be able to, um, and leave just knowing more than you know now. And, you know, it really took me some time to like sit down and think, Hey, like, you know, like in some ways, you know, being able to write pieces now and to be able to be in that spotlight and be able to garner an audience now is a good thing, but in other ways is a, is a bad thing, right? Where like, I need to be able to sit down and I need to be able to learn everything before I'm like regarded as an expert in certain things because I can make a fool of myself and, you know, there's so much more I can learn, you know? And so even for me personally, that's the thing that I need to remind myself too, that like, you know, and what my mentors remind me is that, you know, the people who are, nobody can save the world and nobody can change the world, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're going to get close to to that, uh, which is like, helping as many people as you could possibly can, you know, and for the, and for most people, it's just going to be people in your immediate family, uh, your friends and your community and et cetera, et cetera. But um, for people who are more ambitious, people who have the capability to do so, they're probably going to change more people live, like Steve Jobs. He changed like a whole country, like he changed the world pretty much. Right. He didn't save the world. He didn't solve our problems, but he changed it. He completely changed it. Right. And so he, he left the debt in the universe. Right. And so if you're more ambitious and you have the talents to do so, that's not going to come at age 17, 18. That's not going to come from going through protests and uh, about climate change and et cetera, et cetera. That, that comes from working hard, putting in the hours, learning more. And then later when I'm like, let's say when I'm 30, 35, 40, right. Um, now I have the ability to use my talents that I had from 18 plus the knowledge that I've garnered from working in a professional world for so long to be able to uh, really change people's minds, at least in my case, change people's minds about the political world around them or whatever I choose, uh, decide to do when I'm 35, 40, uh, around that age, you know? So, you know, again, like, I mean, the, the people who run our world, like the people who are the best at what they do, they don't run the world at 18, right? I mean, like, let's take an example. Like, all right, Tucker Carlson is like, the biggest primetime TV host in America. He's, he's like 50 or like 50, like 50 or 55 around the age range. He's not 18. He's not 24, right? He's not even 30. Like some people say- Not even like, 40. You start, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's 50, right? And so it takes time. It, it takes time. And I, I, I have to remind because I'm an ambitious person. I hope I'm, a, I'm an ambitious person, right? I try to live that out every single day. And even for me, it's like, I got to sit down and, hey, you got to learn sometimes, right? And that's, that's why, you know, I haven't been publishing articles like every single week or like, you know, as much as I, I do when I, I make sure I do. So like I still have a foot in and people start, are still reminded like, okay, this is Danny Friends. This is a young, talented man. He finally wrote another article, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not at this point of my life, I'm not fretting to get on the next TV appearance to get on, get the next piece going and blah, blah, blah. That's for Daniel once he's done with college and he's in a professional world. Right now, I'm just saying, hey, I'm here. I'm capable. Look out for me once I'm done learning and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's something everybody, that's something that if there's a cultural shift that needs to happen, that's the thing, right? I've tell, stop t- teaching, stop telling people my age that they have the answers to solving the world because they do not. They, we barely know ourselves, right? Stop giving us our burden, right? Let us get the experience and knowledge, the capacity, the means to do what we need to do. And then hopefully at that point, we won't be able to save the world, but we'll be able to make the world just a bit better uh, by contributing what we can contribute. So that's my last question I have to ask. Um, uh, what's kind of what are your plans for the next couple of uh, of, of months? Kind of what what do you hope or what do you have to plan for for the year twenty twenty two and and early twenty twenty three? Yeah. Um, so uh, I I guess I kind of went a bit into it um, in uh, in my last answer, but um, yeah, it's just well, first I'm I'm heading into college uh, for uh, the first time, and so I would say that. Be I need to be able to go in, just understand. Obviously, it's gonna be like a woke place and et cetera, et cetera. You know, people say that you know college is completely bad and you shouldn't go. I think from from a uh, financial sense, you're probably right. But from an ideological sense, if you know, if you know what you stand for, uh, you know what majors to choose, and you um you have some mechanism in which you can avoid professors who aren't going to teach you anything, then. And, and you know what you're going to do once you get out of college? The college is not a bad thing, right? It, the problem is a lot of people go in undecided, don't know their values. They end up choosing a professor randomly. That professor ends up telling them bull crap about the world and about, um, you know, they, they inject world politics into these students. They, they leave college, don't know, still don't know what they, they want to do, right? Still undecided. Um, now they have all this debt. They have this bad worldview and that tells them that any hard work would, uh, does not equate to success. And now they're they pretty much they've they've been set up to for they've been set up for failure. But if you're able to circumvent every single one of those uh, bad things about college to a degree, right? If you're able to get scholarships, or if, if you're able to go to a college that doesn't uh, make you pay much, if you're able to uh, if you know what you're gonna do when you go into college, if you know what you're gonna do once you get out of college, if you know which professors to avoid. I mean, I literally like three days ago. I actually spent a good amount of my time going through every single professor in the faculty department, searching up their Twitter, searching up the research that they've done. And if I go to their Twitter and it says she, her, he, him, or like white splaining, I saw like one professor like talked about white splaining in one of her tweets, right? I, I put it into like, I opened an Excel sheet, a spreadsheet, professor name, courses they teach, political leaning, woke, yes or no, uh, avoid, caution or clear. And just like having that for me is, is a really good thing. Cause now when I'm registering for classes and I see a teacher's name, 
where I said, okay, this person is woke, et cetera, et cetera. They're not going to teach me anything. I pretty much saved, like, I pretty much, A, I saved money. B, I'm actually going to be taught something, right? A, I'm, I'm, even I'm spending the money, I'm, I'm saving it in the sense that, like, I'm actually being taught something, something that's actually going to be beneficial for me. So I saved the money in that respect. You know, I'm actually going to be taught something. Like, so if you go into college knowing what the problems with college are and you're able to circumvent each of those points as best as you can, and you know exactly what you're going to be, you're going to do once you get out, you know, go for it. You know, at the end of the day, college is a return uh, on investment. Uh, and so um, if you can justify the investment, then go for it. If you can't, which most people, they, if they really were honest with themselves and sat down and they think, well, I'm paying 80K uh, to go into college and not know what I'm doing and not knowing what I'm going to do when I get out. If you're honest with themselves, they say, well, college is not a good ROI, so I'm not going to go. Um, and so, yeah, that's so, so part of like the stuff that I have to deal with in the next few months is going to be college, obviously. Um, but in terms of just like personal stuff, personal projects, career stuff, um, I'm working on a few big projects. Um, one of them is already has, has already been started, uh, with fair, um, the fair high school, uh, club, um, initiative. And, uh, we had an interesting and peculiar first year, um, uh, some things uh, we need to work on, some things that we've done well. Uh, and so during the summer, at least as we speak right now, I'm, I'm working on uh, making the high school clubs better, uh, making sure we have more uh, things open, uh, more places, more high schools with uh, fair high school clubs uh, open for the start of this year. Uh, you know, and fair high school clubs, it really brings in this like spirit of just like intellectual conversation. All right, it, fair doesn't really promote the ideas of a certain side. We just say, hey, like we need to be able to have these conversations and whatnot. So I'm working on that. I also just recently started another project. Um, is It just started, so I don't want to really uh, share too much about it. But I will say that um, it's definitely going to help the world of journalism. There's a lot of independent journalists out there. Um, and we need to be able to um, give, we need, we need to be able to, we need, people need to be able to find them. Uh, people need to be able to um, uh, be able to keep tabs on them, right? Because again, like things, plays like CNN or Fox News, et cetera, they they make it easy uh, for you to hey, like I if I just want to catch up with what Tucker Carlson is working on, I just turn on Tucker Carlson tonight at eight p.m. Simple, right? But with independent journalists, it's um, oh, like I'm subscribed to Barry Weiss here, and then I'm subscribed to Matt Taibbi's. Stuff's like there, and then I so I'm subscribed to Temple's website here, and yeah. so like the, the you know we in order to get more people to really um uh to really because people want convenience, and in order if you want more people to go into this world of independent journalism and whatnot, we need to be able to we need to be able to make it convenient for 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 people to to read and et cetera. Et cetera. So I just explain a problem that I I, I see. I want to explain a project, but we'll. Uh, that project will be, well, I'm working on it, and um, we will. De I'll definitely have something in the. I wouldn't say the coming months. Maybe like checking in a year or so, we'll we'll probably have that done. I want to take my time and really make sure it's a really, really good. Uh, it, the, the 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 product is really good. Um, but yeah, so projects, two projects I'm working on, college, big thing, and then um, just working in terms of just like. Daniel, like Daniel, not the project maker, Daniel, not the college student. In terms of Daniel, the, the journalist, Daniel, the political commentator. Um, yeah, I'm working on a few pieces. Um, 
I, I, I guess I could talk about, so right now I'm working on, so Biden talked about having like something uh, about having an answer on student loan debt. By the end of the summer, I, I definitely want to cover that. So I'm probably going to, I'm working on a piece. I'm probably going to have that uh, out around the time where he announces whatever the, the hell crazy thing is going to do with student loan debt. Uh, I'll, I'll have something out on that. Um, and then I want to focus on something for the midterms, you know? Um, so those are, uh, those are the, in terms of just like parenting, um, in terms of schools, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we focus on inflation and this midterm is going to be a midterm of inflation, but um, I also want to make sure that, uh, you know, for, for the places where inflation, well, inflation is definitely going to be a huge thing in everybody's mind, but in a place where inflation is like there, but not enough, I really want what's happening in schools. Uh, the fact that, you know, children are being taught this woke ideology, the final blow that make parents and families say, Hey, like we're not voting Democrat. Like we, we have to vote uh, to change up our schools. And so, uh, yeah. So to, to give a, a sink peep, but not to review too much or reveal too much, those are the things I'm working on in terms of like Dana, the political commentator, Dana, the journalist or whatever. Uh, and again, yeah, you know, like the goal is not to write as many pieces as possible. Um, it's to, it's to learn, right? Go to college, read books that are interesting to me, right? Because that's how I learn a lot. Uh, that's how I'm able to have these conversations and not like, and to be able to, you know, uh, reading, reading was interesting to me. Um, so having a per personal curriculum, having a school curriculum, so learning for the next few months and learning for the next four years, right? Uh, that's a big thing. Working on these projects, helping fair out, uh, bettering the world of independent journalism. And then lastly, just like writing, writing not too many pieces, but enough pieces where, you know, people are constantly reminded that, hey, I'm here. I may be taking a, a four year break to uh, really learn and to be able to fight on the same footstep, fight uh, in the same ring as many as Glenn Greenwald, uh, you know, and Greenwald, Barry Wise. Uh, I mean, just everybody in a political commentary space, everybody who's talking about politics and uh, talking about politics and even people who are in uh, public office. You know, I'm taking the next four years to really uh, think about, hey, what's like a good uh, career path for me? Is it working in a think tank? Is it working in, in journalism? Is it uh, work being being in public office? You know, like all these things I, I want to explore. And so I'm taking the next four years to do that. Uh, and I'm while I'm doing that, I'm just dropping some nice nuggets of gold, nice nuggets of like content of, uh, of investigative journalism, political commentary, and uh, just working on a few projects to make the world a better pace. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing uh, for right. the next few months and for the next four so, years. Sounds great. And I'm, I'm sure that I'll have you on, or I hope at least that I'll have you on again uh, along the way. I think there's going to come significantly more of you uh, in the future. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this. Um, one quick, two quick things off the record, if you don't mind. Um, would you, you can send mm -hmm. it to me. Otherwise, I pretty much would just take what I find online because I do the introduction kind of before our conversation starts. So if there is anything specific you would like me to mention or, you know, any, anything about your person that you find particularly important, uh, you know, just send me an email uh, and I'll, I'll make sure to, to include it. And I'll okay, try yeah. to, to have it on. I mean, I definitely, I'll put it all online tomorrow and i'll send you the link as soon as it's up but i think our conversation as it was i, I 
And if, if there's anything, right, you can always tell me if there's anything you want to, you know, have cut out or have removed. That's never a problem. We can always do this. But I don't think, from my feeling at least, I don't think this would be necessary. I think this was a yeah. It was a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every 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 put of that conversation is important. So Fantastic. I don't think there's anything I need to cut. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much. Sorry again for the many delays. But as always, uh, good things are worth the wait. So have a great day, and I hope that we're going to talk soon. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk again soon. All right, have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.